Canadians lose by a score of 4-2 to to the Winnipeg Jets, but it almost doesn't really matter, does it? Closer to last place they get, the better it is. They're on their way to Columbus. And that includes one player who had a therapy day, who, by the way, has 55 points on the season. It puts them in pretty good company in the National Hockey League for one age group in particular. We'll talk about another Canadian's young player and whether his play hurt a coach's chances of ever being a head coach in the National Hockey League again. Three guys together on the same line who are average skaters. Can they have success in reading each other? The coach sees untapped offensive potential in one player in particular. Can that player be a 25 plus 25 50 point guy as of next season? And for one player, nine games left to prove himself. Is he running out of time? And this is the week where it looks like he'll play. Is it setting up for an offseason trade? We'll discuss that and a whole lot more. It's the Sick Podcast. I'm Marinero. Francois Gagnon of RDS will join me today. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Marinero. The Sickest Montreal Canadiens Podcast. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadiens win the Stanley Cup. Sports entertainment like no other. Brought to you by 8.6 Beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the Cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. All right, welcome back. As I put my glasses on, Marinaro, the sick podcast, 8.6 beer, intense by nature. The beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark. And Lacage, as you heard, if the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the Cup, it's time you go back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you if all goes well. Uh, we will see you on Saturday, um, April the 24th, uh, when the Canadians visit the Ottawa Senators. And uh, is it April the 24th? I think it is. I'm, for whatever reason, I'm, I'm actually losing track of, uh, of my dates and stuff like that. Hold on a second here. I think it's April the 24th. Is it or is it not or whatever? Uh, I'll bring it up. Hold on a second. Do we have it? It's April the 23rd. Pardon me. Saturday, April the 23rd. Is when we'll see you at Lakash. Thank God I, I didn't stick with the 24th, or else you would have gone on the 24th, and I probably wouldn't be there. Or then again, maybe I would. It's that good. Speaking of good, we bring him back all the time because he's that good as well. Francois Gagnon, what's going on? <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. And uh, yeah. I was uh, trying to send you some vibes there to tell you 23rd. Yeah. And I could have said, well, the number of cup that they won, the, the cup that they won in uh, 86, but then yeah. you would have forgot or 21st yeah. in a cup. So whatever, it's 23rd. Yeah, for whatever reason, I get thrown off with the dates. But anyway, it is uh, definitely going to be on the 23rd. I won't get thrown off with Nick Suzuki's numbers. And I'm going to tell you why, Francois. He's got 55 points this season. They are the sixth most in the National Hockey League among players 22 years old or younger. That's real nice company to be in. My question to you is... We know he's going to be paid like a star as of next year. And a lot of people wondered if it was going to be too much too soon. But my question to you is, do the Canadians have one of the young, bright stars in the National Hockey League in Nick Suzuki? Well, for me, the answer is yes. And that's the reason why they gave him all that money last year and starting for next year. And the number of points is interesting. 
And what is for me the most interesting part in all this is that he got a lot of ice time because there's no better player up front than uh, than Nick Suzuki. So, you know, in inherit of the role of the number one center, even though he's maybe not ready to deal with that, and he would probably would not do it in a really strong team. But let's put it this way. The Canadians are fighting for the last spot in the standing instead of the for the president's trophy. So he's taking that situation. I was not convinced he would be able to do it as good as he's doing it now. But for me, he is showing a lot of poise, a lot of maturity, and he got better this year on the road a little bit, which he will need to do uh, because he's the number one center. Now, is it going to be easier next year and in two years and in three years? Of course, he will get more experience. He will get stronger. He will understand the game better. He will understand when to go and when not to go. Well, that is something that my Brendan Gallagher never understood because he's always go, go, go type of guy. But Suzuki will need to do that. And for me, those numbers are impressive. But the way he got those numbers is more impressive uh, than, than everything else. All right. So let's talk about Cole Caulfield now, if we can, because... A lot of people are saying Cole Caulfield ruined Dominic. Well, a lot of people have said that Dominic Ducharme ruined Cole Caulfield, right? Because uh, Caulfield had one goal in 30 games under Ducharme, and now he's got, what is it, uh, uh, 17 goals in 28 games, I believe, under Marty St. Louis. But my question to you is not that, but it's actually, did Caulfield's play, which was way below expectations in turn, hurt Dominic Ducharme's chances of coaching in the National Hockey League again as a head coach. Because well, he may have, according to some, some believe, Caulfield destroyed Ducharme's career. No, I, I would not go there at all. Uh, because first thing first, he's too young. What I've seen in my career, and it was easier to pinpoint when we were allowed into the dressing room, and hopefully we'll be able to get there next season, is that sometimes, and I believe that's what happened in Montreal, you know, veteran players just phased out with coaches. Uh, it was obvious, obvious, because he was saying bluntly, and good for him to do so. Jeff Petrie said many times that he didn't like the way the team was playing, that the system was complicated and everything. So you bring a kid like Caulfield, who's all energy and bubbly and everything, yeah. and, and you have Suzuki there, who is a calm player, but still... He's not the, the captain of the team, and he's too young maybe to have a loud voice in the room. So those kids are looking at veterans, and they understand what's going on. Okay, they want this coach out. They are, you know, they are not playing at their full potential. So you know, they are cut into the situation. Did Cole Caulfield uh, um, give le baiser de la mort? I'll put it this way in French. The kiss of death. The kiss of death to Dominique Champ? Absolutely not. But the team did it the way it was not playing. Now, was Caulfield playing good hockey under Duchamp? The answer is no. He was not skating the way he is right now. He was not getting open the way he's getting open now. And he was absolutely not as much lethal with his shot than he is now. But you have to put that in a, you know, in a bigger portrait. You have to put that into a situation where every player are getting more involved. I mean, I was listening to your intro. Would you ever thought, Tony, mid-December, late November, that you would once say that, hey, Dvorak, Armia, and Gallagher looks like they could be a good line? 
You would never have said that. You know, you were going crazy like I was and like every other Canadian fans was going. So, you know, yes for Caulfield. Yes for yeah. Suzuki, who's getting 28 points in 28 games under Duchamp. But it's the ensemble. And that's the biggest point that uh, uh, Martin Saint-Louis was able to get. He got his team playing for him. Uh, 28 and 28 under Saint-Louis, I think you should say. But yeah, anyway, that's what I thought I yeah, said. But... Uh, it's okay. You, you screwed up the way I screwed up the date. It happens to the best of us. All right. Okay. Uh, speaking of the lines, all right, let's take a look at the lines that went up against the Winnipeg Jets. We still don't know what's going to happen when the Canadians visit the Columbus Blue Jackets in Columbus on Wednesday night. A couple of players should be noted had a therapy day. Josh Anderson left the practice to have a therapy day. Nick Suzuki had a therapy day. Paul Byron had a therapy day. They're all with the team on the trip. All right. Suzuki, Rem Pitlick on his right, Cole Caulfield on his left. Evans, Anderson on his right, Hoffman on his left. Dvorak with Armia and Gallagher at left wing. Paling with Yelonen on his right and Byron on his left. Romanov, Savar, Edmondson, Petrie, Harris, Schooneman, and of course Samuel Montembeau was in goal with Caden Primo backing him up. So now let's take a look at that third line. Dvorak with Armia on his right and Gallagher on his left. Armia, very disappointing season. Brendan Gallagher, very disappointing season. Dvorak probably didn't meet the expectations, but I think less disappointing than the other two because new player comes from a different team, uh, has to get accustomed to the city, the teammates, the division, the this, the that, whatever, maybe. A little bit of a setback also like Gallagher had an injury. But let's talk about that line. One thing that we noticed early on with Dvorak was he didn't have that extra gear in his skating. So what does Marty St. Louis do? He says, you know what? In Dvorak, Armia, and Gallagher, I got three average skaters. Why don't I put them together? And maybe they're probably going to be in sync instead of being out of sync. Do you think they are in sync? And if so, do you think they can continue with a line like this, knowing that it'll be one of the most expensive third lines in the National Hockey League? Expensive, yeah, but could be effective defensively especially in Montreal, where Martin Saint-Louis, because he'll be back next year, will get the last change. I know if you get that line uh, on, a, on, a, on another rink, and then suddenly you get some speedy skaters against them, it's going to be tough. Because, as you said, they are not quick at all on, on skate. But the Varak is bright. Armia has been a huge deception offensively, but he's, he's, he's a, a sound player defensively, and he is strong. He should be much better than he is because uh, he has a better shot than what he's showing and uh, and he should be stronger on the walls also. So they have something, or Martin said, we have something there that could be a real third line. You were talking about Dvorak and finding excuses for him. I just believe that for Dvorak, it was not the new city. It was not the new teammates. It was, who is he really as a hockey player? He came in. Some look at him and say, oh, is he going to be able to replace Jesperi uh, um, uh, Kotkaniemi or Philippe Dano or both? Not really. I mean, he doesn't have the offensive side to be Jesperi Kotkaniemi at his best. And uh, I, I thought that he would bring uh, almost as uh, effective hockey defensively than Dano. He was good on face-offs and some night he has been really good, but he's not right there yet. I think... The problem with Dvorak is that he played for so long with a team that was playing meaningful hockey all the time, the Arizona Coyotes. So you're coming in and 
we're not really expecting anything because you look at numbers and you believe he's going to be better than that. But it's easy you to get points in a team that plays just for that instead of playing for winning. All right. Okay. So speaking of Dvorak now, Marty St. Louis said that he believes that there's a, a, an offensive potential there that has been untapped. So he's going to try and tap into it. And he says he looks forward to working with him. We know that St. Louis has done wonders with, uh, obviously, with Cole Caulfield, among others. It seems like St. Louis has done well for most of the players on the team. In your opinion, is that untapped offensive potential there with Dvorak? And can Dvorak be a 25-plus 25 guy for 50 points next season? Not on that line. Not on that line because Armia is not producing unless Armia finds out something to be able to score goals. I think that Gallagher will get a couple of assists, a nice assist to Dvorak because he's going to score goals next season more than he does this year. Uh, he will be around the net. He's not getting any younger, but you don't need to be quick on your skates when you're five feet around the net, just feisty player and fighting against anybody to get a loose puck and score goals. So for me, Gallagher might not get another 30-goal season, but he's a legit 20-25 goals there. So if those two guys play together, you might get 15, 17 assists there. Now, can Dvorak get 25 goals? I haven't seen that yet. We've seen it before in Arizona, but not yeah. in, in the role they would get with the Canadians. And as for Armia, I think he's the loose end in that equation. We don't know what he's going to give. He needs to give a lot more than he's been giving since he got to Montreal for Dvorak to be a legit 25, 25, 50 point. But if you put somebody else there and then Dvorak by winning faceoff is able to get something created uh, offensively yeah. in the Ozone, then yeah. maybe he can get there. But I have my doubts for that number. All right. Okay. So uh, Dvorak's career high with Arizona was 18 goals and 38 points. All right. When I say 25, 25, I look at a number two center. If he can get you 50 points, I think that's good. Okay. So can it be 22 plus 28? Can it be 21 plus 29 for him to get you 50 points? Now, let's not forget, some people didn't think that Philip Deneau had 20 goals in him. He went to Los Angeles. He got it. So Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes said a little while ago when they had that Q&A that, hey, Nick Suzuki's turned into a number one centerman, and that's good for us. If Dvorak turns into a number two center, that's good for the Canadians because at a number two center, they will keep him if he can hit 50 points. I think it's going to take 50 points for him, for them to say he's a number two. But if he's not able to put on that kind of production, at that point, if he drops to number three and they need to acquire a number two, I'm not so sure they're going to want to have him at number three at $4.625 million. I, I, I agree with you, but then, Tony, if he's not good for you at 4.26 a year as a number three center, you really think a team's going to give you something to get him at 3C? It won't happen. So the comparison that you had with Philippe Dano is interesting. Yeah. Philippe Dano didn't become a 20-goal scorer in L.A. You know, he has the same tools that he had in Montreal, but he's been used differently. Philippe Dano was asking Montreal to do everything. Make sure that the other line, the best line of the other team doesn't score against you and try to find a way to get something going. He was able to do it with Gallagher and Thomas Tatar at some point because those two guys, especially Gallagher, was a little bit quicker in his skate. And, and he was able to 
give Dano some some assistance. But the goals were not coming because Dano had to deal with face-off, yeah. with, uh, let's say, uh, ozone tempering to make sure that nothing bad is going to happen and to be the number one player, offensive player back in his own zone to help his demons. Yeah. So he had too many things to do, and that was not helping. Now, he comes in L.A., where you have a guy like Kapitar, who's year in, year out, you know, uh, mentioned as uh, one of the best two-way player in the NHL. So Gatt yeah. gives a little bit more leeway to Philippe, who was able to get there. Now, 20 goals is a lot. I would not have been surprised for 12, 15, maybe 17. 20 goal score mark is something interesting, and it's going to be int more interesting to see if he will be able to uh, get that again and again and again in L.A. Now, there's a player on the team that the Canadians coach, Marty St. Louis, the coaching staff have said good things about. Obviously, I don't expect him to throw any player under the bus. I get that, too. But I, I actually, um, I wonder if they think the player is actually playing well because I don't see it, okay? Mm -hmm. But once again, they're not going to throw him under the bus. So I have to ask you, there's nine games left in their season. Is there nine games left in Ryan Paling's career with the Montreal Canadiens? Because I believe that under Marty St. Louis, Ryan Paling has not impressed. I don't think he's been able to take his game to another level the way most have. Um, I'd love to have your opinion on this, whether, you know, I have the wrong take on this. Paling hasn't impressed me since St. Louis has been there. Not that he impressed me that much more before. I know he's a player that was made available by the Canadians under Mark Bergevin. If you wanted to have him via trade, he could be available. Do you think he's got nine games left, or do you think he will be given the benefit of a camp, or do you think he actually has a long future in Montreal? Okay, first thing first, you 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 cut me off guard here. I thought you would talk about uh, uh, <laughs> Mike Hoffman, the way you were preparing your, okay. your question. And that's another story. I know um, you're not the president of the Hoffman family. No, I'm not. Club, I'm not. But the way you brought it up, I, you know, I felt you're, like... You're not that. the vice president either. No, and... Uh, <laughs> Not the secretary also. And okay, got it. Okay. So why don't we do this? Let's go to Paling, and then yeah. I will go yeah. to Hoffman because... I'll, I'll, go, I'll go to Paling right away. Um, for me, the biggest problem in Montreal for uh, Paling is not Paling. Well, in some sort of way, yes. But it's Jake Evans. Because Evans is showing more grit, even though he's a smaller player. He's showing more speed. He's showing a better set of tools that you could use on a fourth line or a so-called third line, but for me, Dvorak is a third line center, then Paling is giving. So for Paling to get a future in Montreal, I believe he will need, unless Jake Evans is, is traded or something else happens in the Canadian, I think he will need to move on a wing and become a strong kind of a power winger, but a defensive power winger. He doesn't have the tool for the scoring goals the way we all believed after that first game that he would be able to do so. But hold on if I can. What am I, I don't believe here? he has the attitude to do it too. Okay. If Suzuki is one and, and Dvorak is, is, let's just say, a two, and they'll use Evans going forward as a three, then Paling, there's a spot there at number four for him. Does that mean that you believe the Canadians will acquire another center? Yes. Yes, I do. Because okay. I... I, I 
I could see them going forward next season because they won't be a cup contender. And I don't even believe they will be able to fight in their division to get up there on the third, three first spot, maybe find a way to sneak in and being a race for the wild card race. But I don't even see that. So because of that, they could keep the Vorak as a number two center and, and wait a year and see, is he going to be able to do it? I don't believe he can, but I may be wrong. I've been wrong before, and I will be wrong in the future also. So yeah. the way I see it, that would be the occasion for Paling to get a number four C spot and find a way to prove to everybody that he can do it. But, you know, that's, that's a big if. And again, he's, he's, he's pulling on his back that huge piano of the fact that he was a number one pick. You're, you're a first-round pick on a fourth line, That equation is not good in the mind of the fans, and it should not be good in the mind no. of the uh, of the coaching staff. It's Mike so, McCarron all over again. Again, again. Yeah. Uh, but you know, McCarron is doing, he's having a decent season now, and in, in other ways, and yeah. and and he can find a way to be helpful to some other teams. Yeah. But you know, coming back to what you were asking about Paling, it's not it's not obvious what he's going to be able to do, and yeah. is he going to stay in Montreal now? I don't see a team coming in and ask, I want Ryan Pelling because I believe he can be one of my number one, two or three centermen. He might be throwing in a transaction to get something uh, uh, better for the Canadians yeah. as a number two center, if that's what they're looking There's for. There's also the thing that should the Canadians get the number one pick in the draft, then should they draft Shane Wright? And should Shane Wright start the season with the Canadians next year? Then all of a sudden... You have Suzuki, you have Shane Wright, you have Dvorak, you have Evans. Having said all that, I have to tell you, and I could be wrong, I always thought Ryan Paling was a winger and not a centerman because his moments when he actually takes the puck to the outside and he puts his shoulder down and he leans down and he goes to the net, I believe are his moments where he's most effective. Yeah. Also for the reason being, I never thought he was the most cerebral player on the ice or the best IQ on the ice either. Anyway... We'll see. Uh, only time will tell. A shout-out to MatrixHomeFitness.ca. Um, Ryan, you're probably going to want to get in better shape, too. So uh, MatrixHomeFitness.ca, bring it home. Discover a club-quality workout in the comfort of your own home. We're never in good enough shape. We can always take it to another level. Visit MatrixHomeFitness.ca. And I want to tell everyone watching that I'll uh, put on the glasses for this, that we're doing an exclusive merchandise giveaway, Okay. If you click the Betway link in the description of this video or on our social media and you sign up and you get a 100% deposit bonus, send us a picture of your bet slip. We will send you a free Bet the House hoodie, a hoodie like this, but it says Bet the House. It's beautiful. As well as receiving the bonus, it's an exclusive hoodie that we will only be giving to uh, people uh, that use our link and sign up with Betway. And once again, you can follow us on all social media channels. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and on Twitter at the sick podcast and sign up to our YouTube channel. It's uh, by subscribing. It's absolutely for free. Okay. Last but not least, it looks like Carrie price is going to play in the next couple of days here. All right. The Canadians are in Columbus on Wednesday. They host the Islanders on Friday and they host the Capitals on Saturday. You would think that Price is either going to play Friday or Saturday. Mind you, we thought that before. It didn't happen, but you would think it's headed that way. Elliot Friedman has said most recently here that Carey Price getting in a couple of games between now and the end of the season, and if he plays the way he was able to play in the playoffs, 
is done for the sake of trading Carey Price this offseason. It's to show the league that he could still do what he does and that he'll be traded. Craig Button has also weighed in on his podcast, along with Steve Coolius. Let's hear what Craig Button had to say. Okay, well, here's what I would say. I said, like, I think for Kerry, I mean, he's gone through, a, like, a, you know, a significant, significant, uh, you know, physical rehabilitation uh, stint to try to get back after the knee surgery. He's also, uh, you know, ensured that uh, uh, through, through the uh, player assistance program that he's gone through that to come out on the other side. So I think for Kerry, you know, for, for him to get back and feel that he can play in the net and be confident in everything that goes with it, I think that would be a real positive for Kerry. I will say this, and I, I, I'm not going to speculate on what the Canadians will do or what – Kerry will do or anything like this. I will say this. He's got four years left on his contract. If I am an NHL team and I feel that Kerry Price is healthy enough and, you know, wants to come and play, I would make an inquiry to the Montreal Canadiens and say, you take half his salary and we can talk about him coming to my team. Because I, I Kerry Price has game left. There's no question. It's not about Lola. He has game left. And we've seen that when he's in situations where it matters and where the games are significant and he has a chance to perform where he can be the difference maker, I haven't seen a drop off in his play. <laughs> and, but you need to be satisfied that you do that, right? But that's, how, that's what I would be doing. I don't know where you find it. And like at $5.25 million for the next four years, I watched Mark andre Fleury play pretty darn well. He's a little bit older. I think that uh, Kerry could do similar things. All right, there you have it on the Cool Button Podcast. Uh, Craig Button doesn't talk for nothing. Uh, his opinion, of course, is a valuable one. Francois, your opinion. I know a lot of people have said if they're going to trade Carey Price, it's going to have to be a two-team deal. Uh, well, uh, uh, the Canadians covering half the salary or a three-team deal and the Canadians carry half and, and they cover half and then another team covers maybe half of the other half and all that stuff. Long story short, I, I guess we'll only really have an answer after he plays and how he plays. Yes or no, Francois, if you're another team, if the Canadians would be willing to pay half his salary going forward, would you inquire about Carey Price? Would you trade for Carey Price? And do you think another team will? Well, it depends on my situation. If I need Carey Price to get to another level, of course I would inquire. But if Montreal keeps 5.25 million of his contract for the next four years, it's going to be costly for me. And it's going to cost me a really, really good prospect. Somebody that Montreal will get that they won't have to pay because they're going to give already 5.25 to Price, who's not going to be in Montreal. And at some point, the team will get better. The Canadians are not on a rebuild situation for the next four years. So in two or three and four years, that 5.25 will be really costly under the salary cap. Mind you, the cap will probably go up uh, in two years, in three years, and then that will give more leeway to Jeff Gorton and, uh, and um, uh, Ken, Ken Hughes. Hughes. Yep. So that, that for me is, you know, is a real tough situation but you have to listen one thing that we know is that last year Carey Price was willing to leave Montreal because he was exposed to the Seattle Kraken in the expansion draft yeah so there goes the no movement clause if the situation is good for Carey Price and his family 
it will listen. So it depends on who's going to come and knock at the door of the Canadians. Unless Price wants to uh, leave as soon as possible and go anywhere. But it's not, that's not the message that he's been relaying to the fans, saying that he's been here forever, that Montreal is his hometown, and that he wants to stay. Hey, he wants to stay until he gets a better offer. So that's going to be interesting. Is it going to be Toronto? Is it going to be Vancouver? Is it going to be Edmonton? Uh, Vancouver doesn't need, well, everybody needs a goaltender like Carey Price. But yeah. when you are already in a good situation, uh, you're not going uh, you know, to give to Montreal a, a big, huge part of your prospect pool because you're going to get him. So can he move? The answer is yes. Would the Canadian need to look around? The answer is yes. Is it going to happen? That much, I don't know. One player has been in the National Hockey League for 15 years, and he's never won a Stanley Cup, which is why you play the game. And the other is an organization that is looking to revamp a roster transformation, maybe get a little younger, shed some salary over the next couple of years, and build towards being a contender and sustain it three or four years down the line. I don't think the two coincide. I think they both want different things, and I think both parties would be happy if they parted ways going forward. It will be an interesting end of the regular season here for the Canadians with nine games left. All eyes on Carey Price and Francois Gagnon. I look forward to having you on the SICK podcast in the very near future. Thanks for doing it. We'll talk to you soon. Merci beaucoup. Have a great Merci day. Merci à toi. Tell your friends about it. I'm Marination. This podcast is SICK. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the SICK podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube. Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by 8.6, Intense by Nature, and Lakage. If the last time you went to Lakage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lakage. The menu will surprise you. <laughs>